Hey, welcome to Cryptid Crossroads 505, and we are in the 505, and we're doing it once again. Give me a shout out, Vince. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Cryptid Crossroads 505 studios once again. That's right. So, I'll bet you can guess what we're going to talk about tonight. Yep, and it ain't antis, but That's that right. might be off the air. That's right. So, <laughs> we're going to be talking about the big man himself, Bigfoot Sasquatch. Yep, and I, I was telling my brother, uh, <clears throat> I did a little bit of homework, been watching the Beyond the Trail series, and uh, I've seen a few of them. Uh, he needs to catch up with his homework. but uh, I do. <laughs> my only problem is... Uh, I, I watch so many of them that they all blend together. You know, I don't know which is from what episode. And <laughs> right. It has something to do with the, my behavior in the 80s. Right. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember too good. That's right. We have. And as you get older, you know, the memory kind of slips a little bit. But right. We're not saying we're old. That's right. We're no. just older than we were yesterday. That's right. A day older today. <laughs> <clears throat> well, let's, let's start it off before we get into uh, Beyond the Trail. So yesterday I sent you a video of supposedly a Sasquatch caught on a drone. Uh, my take on that is uh, I know you're saying it was a Sasquatch caught on a drone, whoever filmed it, but I'm going to have to say that's a person in a suit. Right. It's uh, It looks more of like a hoax than it does authentic. It does. And I mean, I watched the video about eight to ten times over and over, and I tried to look at for definition and the the more i looked it just looked like a suit that would wrinkle as he moved and i i didn't think that it was convincing so right and if you watch it you know the proportions of the arms and legs are not what you'd expect from an actual right watch and and even when they kind of showed showed it crossing uh i was like that's walking like a human uh because if you study Sasquatch, you know the gait's different. It, it walks different than we do. Right. And that's kind of one of the first things I try and look for when uh, they say this is a Squatch. Yeah, and I, I think uh, <clears throat> if you would catch one on a with a drone, with given where they were, I I would think you could get better footage because you could get pretty damn close with the drone. I I would think so. Yeah. I mean, a a, a drone could zoom in. Yeah, and, and not only that, I, I know the Sasquatch <clears throat> is supposed to be fast, but I would bet my money they can't outrun some of these drones. No, well, you know, the drone has the advantage because it's up in the air. Yeah. And it's going to be able to cover more ground than, you're right, the Sasquatch can. Unless they're super, 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 super fast. Unless they're part drone themselves. That's right. That's right. All right, well, fill us in on what you've been watching on. Okay, well, you know, one of the... Beyond the trails that I was watching, and of course, that's Small Town Monsters, one of our favorite uh, companies that put out these kind of documentaries. I, I watched one on the skunk ape. Now, there's a lot of debate about skunk ape. Is it a Bigfoot? Is it is it something different? Are they related? And, you know, the answer is nobody knows for sure. Right. Uh, the prints, I don't know. They they have different kind of prints. Um but that's not saying much because we've seen Sasquatch prints that are different, you know, maybe some deformation or missing limbs, missing toes, something. Right. But uh, they, they went into this area, they right outside of, uh, I want to say Miami and in, to the Everglades there. And uh, the Everglades, uh, they were showing the map. It's a pretty big area. Oh, yeah. And uh, 
for the most part, it's like the deep mountains here. It's not explored. It's just not accessible, especially during the rainy season. Or, right. And it's, it's basically a slow-moving river, so it's always, there's always water there. But uh, one thing I thought was very interesting is uh, the people, they were estimating that there's only like a handful of skunk apes, like less than a dozen, I want to say, right. in the Everglades. And I, I don't know how you could sustain a population with only that much, mm. especially being spread out. And I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, I mean, first of all, they're estimating that there's half a dozen, they said. Don't so that's six. So how do they know? That's my question. Uh, we We don't even know how many... Bigfoots in the Rocky Mountains or in our area there are, we just don't know. So how could you estimate? Right. Uh, do you take uh, all the sightings in the Everglade and then divide them by 12 or what? Well, what they were doing was they were going by the prints they found <clears throat> in the areas. They, they say they could match like some prints in different areas to the same creature. Well, that's like saying that I could match human prints to certain humans no i mean if these creatures are from the same uh let's say i guess clan or the same what's the word i'm looking species. for same species that's what i'm looking at then of course they're all going to have same type of feet hands uh, just like humans do uh, if i were to get 10 people to walk in mud side by side it'd be hard to tell that there's only one person or ten. Right. And uh, <clears throat> another thing I was thinking about is because they were ma trying to match tracks to the different uh, animals, well, the different uh, skunk apes. That's what, how they came up with their number. But I was thinking in the Everglades where most of it's underwater, you're going to get one track in the mud for every, what, million steps they take? Right. And that's a good point, too. I mean, because even a little bit of water, it's going to, it's going to alter the track. Right. Or erase it altogether. <laughs> right. So I'm not going to buy into that theory. Yeah. But they went to different areas. You know, they put up trail cams and uh, they played some audio where they, they captured tree knocks. Uh, <clears throat> you know, it's, I, I like what small town monsters does. They go in and investigate and right. they, they do it seriously. You know, they do the, the night hikes and they go dark and, but to me, the evidence, I don't know, they, there just wasn't any really concrete evidence. Right. And now that we're on the subject of footprints, so I was telling you off camera that I last week I watched a David Pilates class, and he has these classes on YouTube, and they're Bigfoot classes from David Pilates. He did mention about footprints, and, you know, he said people see footprints, and they see different types of footprints, he said, and he also said... The creature has to be heavy, right? real heavy, because he did say these prints are embedded in the ground, and they're, they're deep. And he himself said he stepped in places to try to replicate it, but he didn't have the weight. So he said, depending on how deep the print is, that's another... I guess, unit of measurement you could use to determine the weight. And, I mean, he, he brought up a valid point that when these creatures step in, even on the moss, they leave an imprint. So there's got to be some weight to these creatures, right. some mass. 
And when us humans try and do it, we can't even dent the moss. Right. So he said, we need to also take things like that into consideration. Not just that we found a print, but how deep is it? Right. Now that that brings me to uh, another one of the small town monsters I was watching. Uh, I can't exactly remember which episode, but they they did find some prints. Uh, They call it a sand trap. Like when you're in the forest and you come across a a patch of sand and... uh, it had been raining, so you know how sand will pack. There was a an indentation. It, it was a, I think, one print. Now it was uh, the sand trap was about in the direction this creature was heading was about twelve feet wide. Right. So his gate must have been like at least six feet because there was only one print, and he kept on going. Wow. But uh, they tried, like you said, to replicate it to put another print in there, and the the sand was packed so hard that they couldn't. Right. So whoever did that, it was probably heavy. And with that, you know, just one print in a 12-foot area, he might have been running too. Could have been, yeah. Right, because your gate's going to, your stride will be a little longer than your normal walking gate. Right. He could have been running. And that's interesting. And I think I never looked at it that way until I heard David Pilates put it that way. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So if you do come across prints, especially in dirt, you need to see how hard the dirt is and how deep that imprint is. Right. Because uh, it does make sense. And everyone said, I've seen these creatures, and it was between six and eight feet tall, and it looked like it weighed a 1,000 pounds. And so we know these creatures, some of them are massive. Right, right. And if, if you find one good print, chances <clears throat> are there's going to be other prints, even if you can't find them at first. There's got to be some other sign of maybe the shrubbage being disturbed or right. something, but that'll give you an idea of the stride and just the stride alone. You know what they do, we can't do even even if we long jumped. No, I I agree, and and you see these videos where people do find the stride and they try to replicate it and they're like, no, I can't do it, and just like when they said, I seen this creature cross the road in three steps, but yet we try it. It, there's no way. Yeah. Yep. There's no way. So, yeah, they do have uh, a long gait if they're, you know, a full-grown. Now, I'm sure the juveniles, are. we could probably walk like them. <laughs> maybe. 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 Yeah. But I, I'm sure <clears throat> even the juveniles are, I would imagine, way as much as a full-grown man or more. I'm sure. I'm sure. Right. And as they grow, their prints probably indent the ground more. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then there's also the uh, mid-tarsal break that they're always talking about. Right. Because we, we usually push off with our toes, so our, we pile dirt in the front where they pile it more in the middle. In the middle, yeah. That and the dermal ridges, you know. Right. That's the footprint, the, the fingerprint of the foot. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it was interesting. Now, I do need to catch up on my Small Town Monsters documentaries, but... I'm going to tell my brother to check out some of the David Pilates classes because he's, he's pretty interesting. And everyone, if you know from the 411s, he's, uh, he's, he's pretty thorough when he investigates yeah. because that's his background as a ex-detective or whatever he was. So he's, he's one of the ones who investigated all the people going missing in the national parks, right? Yes, that's him. Um, now, he didn't come out and say that you know could have been sasquatch or aliens or whatnot but he has a new documentary out called 
missing 411, the UFO connection. Now, I haven't seen it, but I, I do want to check it out and see what he brings to the table with that. Yeah, definitely. Right. Um, yeah, and, and he, he won't come out and say exactly what it is, but uh, it makes you think, and, you know, all the evidence kind of points in that direction. It, it does. I mean, you, you know, if you've watched the missing 411, some of the things that blow my mind is they've searched these areas over and over, and then they come back and they find, like, clothing, but the clothing's set neat and folded. and yeah. That just doesn't make sense to me. Um, right. And what really gets me is uh, they'll search an area and then they'll go back and then they'll find something that wasn't there before. Right. No. So that's that's interesting. Um, is it squatch activity? I don't know. Now, we've said that, you know, there's stories of squatches that did at one time, you know, supposedly take the native women because, of course, the natives lived in harmony with them. Uh, they weren't sedentary in houses like we are now. They were nomadic. They moved with the with the food supply, you know, and, until they started settling. And that's another thing David Pilati said. You know, he said, these tribes have been around longer than the white man on, on this continent, the United States. And he said, and their stories go back for generations and generations. And they talk about this creature even before it became known as Bigfoot. Right. And every tribe in this country has a name, a unique name for them. And every tribe has a tale about them. And in those tales, every tribe's tale tells of good encounters and bad encounters. So when you want to ask yourself if these creatures exist, he said go back and look at the First Nations and see their stories. And he said, not everyone is out there telling fables, so, you know, there's got to be some truth to this. Right, especially since all these different tribes have similar stories, or at least of similar individuals. Right. And uh, not only that, look at here in Albuquerque, we have the petroglyphs. There's pictures of a big man with big feet. And, right. And alien crafts. Yeah. And and who who knows when those were drawn? Nobody does. And even in some of the cave dwellings that they find, it's the same thing. Uh, David Pilates talked about uh, their, like, cave dwelling, the pictures in them. And, you know, it's in reference to not just a grown adult, juveniles and females, and, like, a family of Sasquatches were drawn on the wall by primitive men. Uh, So this creature... It does do exist. If you've seen it, you're one of the lucky ones. If you haven't, you're not getting out. Right. <laughs> now, I, I want to talk a little bit about another one of these uh, small town monsters uh, beyond the ridge i seen. <clears throat> I forget where he was. He was somewhere back east, maybe Ohio. But he went to this place where uh, there's like a parking lot, like, you know, where people could park and go hike. Right. And across the road, there's a river. And then beyond that, there's a, a little hill. And people say they come down that hill to drink and stuff. And he went there one night. And this this was a good one. He was all alone on this episode. Right. So first thing I thought was, man, this dude, <laughs> I give him kudos, you know, just right. for doing that. <laughs> you know, just based on our experience. That's, right. 
<laughs> or maybe he was drunk because that's the only time we do it. <laughs> no, but uh, so what he did, was he pulled up in his car and he shut the engine off, rolled the windows down and just stood there for a while, like maybe 15, 20 minutes, let, you know, get acclimated to the weather or whatever. Right. Then he got out and started heading toward the river and uh, he did hear stuff off in the distance. Uh you know, like a knock and a yell. And he, he went back to his car in that parking lot he parked in. There was a skull. I don't know if it was uh, a deer. It looked like a small deer skull. Right. And he, he said, how did I miss this? Uh, maybe when he left that area, maybe it was placed there. Right. Now, he didn't come out and say, oh, maybe a Bigfoot. He said it, it could have been a, a coyote running by and dropped it, you know. or. Um. Could have been, but most of the time when you see coyotes running, it, they typically don't have skulls in, in their <laughs> right, mouth. Right, But he would just, uh, you know, g- giving other possibilities, you know. Right. But uh, it, it was, it, the only thing was this, he shot this episode right before Thanksgiving, so he was only there like a day <clears throat> and a half, and he had to go back and be with his family. But uh, he said he was going to go back, but it was just kind of interesting because that spot he was at, there's been a lot of sightings and just to go on your first night and hear something. Right. Yeah, that's pretty that, neat. Yeah, that's and pretty, he, yeah. he caught something on his thermal camera, but like I said, he couldn't even go back the next day to, you know, do a size comparison or anything. Right. So I'm looking forward to him going back to that area. Right. Did did he show footage of the thermal? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, he, they showed it when he was out there taking it. You know, he was recording it. Yeah, how did he? could hear yeah. him talking. Uh, it's, it's just something big uh, behind a tree or something. Oh. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm go- I'm gonna have to watch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, there, there's a lot of good ones. Uh, some of the the Beyond the Ridge are very uneventful, but they do have good encounter stories when he talks to witnesses and stuff. Right. No, and that's you know that's one of the things that David Pilati said that there's so many people out there that have an encounter story that just too many for it to be just totally tall tales that people are telling. Right. Um, right. Now, we know just in our area here, where if you look at the sightings for, I guess, the Bigfoot, uh, BFRO, if you look at their sightings, how they map them out, we do have sightings, but not as much as like the Pacific Northwest or some of the Northeast. But from the tales that are told from our part of the country, you know, there's many encounters that do happen here too, um, not just one in a blue moon. Right. Uh, you know, like we've talked in past episodes about the the natives, their encounters. Right. <coughs> and and I want to say that uh, there is more encounters here than uh, reflects on the BFRO map, but I want to say the majority of them go undocumented, well, unreported. And we talked about that. Because the natives don't really like to speak about things like that. Right, right. Especially not to somebody they don't trust. Right. That would be us. Yeah. Yeah. (coughs) Yeah, but uh, on that one episode where they're down in Florida looking for the skunk ape, they had something that was neat. Uh, Somebody down there made an app. For, and it shows all the Bigfoot sightings in the area. Right. And uh, I, I, I want to say it gives the dates and everything when he was spotted at each location. And... Uh, I think that'd be very useful 
because like on Expedition Bigfoot, they <clears> use <throat> the same kind of information to create the algorithms. Yeah. And that's where they predict where, oh, okay, maybe there was, there were so many sightings here over the years at this time of year, so we'll go check yeah. there. And so then this app that they're using down there in Florida, uh, do you put in the information? Do you download the app and put in the information? or uh, You download the app. And whoever has the app, I guess you could send them information and he updates oh, okay. or something. But uh, I think that that'd be a pretty neat thing to have up here. But uh, we'd probably be the only ones entering stuff. Right? <laughs> There'd be like uh, two sightings <laughs> in the past 20 years. <laughs> yep. I mean, but it's because where we live, we're surrounded by a lot of, you know, First Nations people, the natives. And they typically will not share these type of stories. No. They'll share them amongst yourself, but they will not share them with outsiders. And I don't know why. I mean, that's just their culture. They they don't like to share things like this. As far as they're concerned, they just want to leave it alone and uh, and go about their their life. Right. You know, they don't encourage Be, following it. Because it, in the, it is a, just a part of life for them. It always has been. Well, well yeah. I mean, uh, according to, like David Pilati said, they've, They've lived in the forest with this creature for right. hundreds of years before white man came to this nation. Right. Uh, do you remember that one uh, episode, uh, Paranormal Rangers? Yes. Where they had the Navajo Ranger, or yeah, he was a ranger going out and interviewing about the Bigfoot sightings and yeah. stuff. And <clears throat> I, I wonder if they would have gave up more information or less information if it was an outsider, say a white guy or a Mexican going and asking. I... I don't think they would have. I think they would have been, you know, yeah, they, more silent. Right. They opened up to him because he was one was, of theirs. Yes, he was a native. He's he was one of their people, one of the Diné. Yep. And so, of course, they felt comfortable <laughs> talking to him because when it's someone in your own culture, you don't feel like you're going to be criticized or laughed at, or, right? Or called crazy or stupid, right? Just like when uh, cops come to the South Valley, I say, "Nope, I didn't hear no shootings." <laughs> what are you talking good. about? That's right. <laughs> like. Gunfire? No, I, not, not here. here. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And yeah, it's kind of that same thing. They, they, you know, and I think another reason why they don't do it is because they know if they start divulging, oh, we've seen Sasquatch here or there, it's going to bring a lot of insiders. And that's one thing they don't like it's, is outsiders. It's going to bring that and it's going to bring a lot of criticism from the elders in their tribe. It is, you know, the, um, they have their cultures are culture, and they have some some strange beliefs. But the, yet, their their beliefs, you know, uh, for instance, they don't like to. Once a person passes, they don't like to mention the name. Right. Uh, they, it's you know they tell you don't do that because they feel that if you call their name, you're calling them back from the grave and right. And you know, so it's it's all a cultural thing as to where us who are just born in america live in the cities and when we go camping we have an experience you know we get all excited or frightened and we want we want to share it right. some people don't though i mean right. it takes them a while to open up and tell their encounter but most people are like oh my god you'll never believe what happened to me and now now living here in america you know they say this is the melting pot of the world now us we have a. Uh, our our uh, ancestors go into Mexico, Spain, wherever we got some native in us. Now, do you think, because of the way we are in America, we've lost our traditions, 
Or do you think we've just adapted new ones because this is just a very different country, very different time? I, I think you're right on the second part. I, I think we've let go of a lot of our traditions and we've just adapted to our society and the new traditions that we have. Right. Uh, that we, we've let go of a lot of the stuff that may have made sense to our, our ancestors, but maybe not to us. Like right. if somebody looks at me bad, I'm not going to go to a witch doctor, have them break up an egg, egg on my yeah, stomach because or, they gave me the evil eye. Right. Yeah. Things like that. We don't do. We're just like, what are you looking at? Puto, yeah. you know, <laughs> but, we, we give them the, the Albuquerque stare. Huh? That, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's things like that, that yes, we've let go of. Um, and, and I mean, you see it because you see, let's, let's use Mexicans that have come to America from Mexico. And when their children are born here, their children don't necessarily keep the same traditional values that they did. You know, they become what I call Americanized. Right. And they they act like all the other American kids. And, and you know, as to where the, the parents may have been a real tight-knit family and it's all about family. Now, they still may be about family, but, you know, it's like I don't want to hang out with them all the time. And Right. Now, just real quick, when I was in the Philippines, the Spanish colonized the Philippines, right. but as soon as different generations of the Spaniards were being born in the Philippines, they said, whoa, we don't want to have nothing to do with Spain. We're, this is our country. Right. So and, and, and that's kind of how it is. Yeah. But get back, getting back on the Bigfoot thing, uh, <clears throat> we know that's in almost every Native American tribe in their folklore and their stories. Right. Now, how about the Mexicans? Because this was <clears throat> part of Mexico at one time. Well, it, it was. Now, there's a lot of debate. Now, Mexicans, what are their natives that mix with Spanish? Yeah, that's all they are. Um, and I, I think if you could find some, you, you know, that's a good question because all the Mexicans that were living in this territory when it was Mexico, um, you know, I'm sure they're all passed on, but I don't know of any of them leaving stories about the hairy man, you know. Uh, because growing up, uh, while our grandparents on both sides were 99% Spanish speakers, right. you know, and I, I've never heard a Bigfoot story, never knew what a Bigfoot was until we saw it on In Search Of. Right. And then all these years later, uh, that one experience we had when we went, uh, I think it was for Easter on that picnic. Right. And then uh, when our father had the experience, but then again, we didn't hear about that till later. But other than that, you know, Bigfoot was just something we'd hear about once in a while on TV or something. Yeah, it was just something that you watched on In Search Of. Right. It, it was something that was real remote and and not part of, you know, it, it's not where I live. Right. It's it's only up there where wherever they filmed this movie. <laughs> right. But uh, well, we, we have studied it more. We've, you know, we've looked into it. Uh, like I had my experience and that's when we really dove in head first. Right. And uh, we started going up there and well, like they say, be careful what you wish for because we were looking for it and we found a lot of stuff. Yeah. We've had a lot of experiences and uh, I don't know. I, I think that one place we go is, is pretty good. It's got to be a crossroad to where they, they travel because we've camped in other areas and nothing. Nothing. And, 
And it's just come to our attention since you've had your experience. So we've become more more aware of our surroundings, I want to say. We pay more attention when we're out there. As, like some people said, you go out there camping and that's the least, that's not what you're out there for. So unless you have an up-and-close experience, that creature could be in a tree 10 feet away from you and you'd never know it. Right. And before this all happened, how many times have we been in the forest or camping and we've heard noises and we just dismissed it? Yeah, you dismiss it like, well, what, what was that? And and you blow it off. Yeah. It's just an anomaly, something, a tree fell or what, something. Yeah. Well, you know, you didn't really start to say, well, maybe. So maybe we'll be the first uh, generations of Latinos that share this story with their kids. <laughs> And my kids are like, no, I don't want to hear it no more. Right, they're like, you talk about it too much. Yeah, well, two of mine were with me, and my daughter, she's the gutsy one. She wants to go back. She's been back camping. Yes. And my son says, no, I'm not going. <laughs> I'm done. Yep. Yeah. But, you know, it's this story's been out there for a long time, and uh, it's out there. We know it's out there. And like I said, if you're not getting out there, you'll never know. Right. Well, just like football, we got a lot of armchair quarterbacks. Right. That's right. Now, don't be an armchair squatcher. Get out there. Right. So, but, you know, that's what we wanted to share with you tonight. And we hope you enjoyed the show and uh, hit that subscribe button. Yep. And um, we're going to do some more homework and we'll be back. That's right.